Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, providing primary and advanced specialty care throughout all of central Pennsylvania and beyond. A list of providers in the area can be found at upmc.com slash findadoc. It's Friday when journalists join us on The Spark. With us today are WITF's News Director Randy Parker and WITF's Capitol Bureau Chief Sam Dunklaw. A couple big stories, guys, that dropped just yesterday. Governor Josh Shapiro calling for the death penalty to death penalty to be abolished in Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania Democratic U.S. Senator John Fetterman checking himself into a hospital for clinical depression. Welcome to the program. But uh, Sam, let's start with uh, the governor calling for uh, a, a, not only a moratorium on the death penalty on executions, but going one step further probably shocked a lot of people when he did that, that uh, he wants the legislature to pass legislation to abolish the death penalty in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and uh, the Pennsylvania would join a number of other states where that effort has picked up or, or even been approved. Um, I mean, in over the last 30 years, I think the public consciousness has really shifted on uh, where the death penalty is, what sort of place it should serve, not only in criminal justice, but in society. And that trend, of course, has trended more towards... Uh, we, we should move more away from executing people for a variety of reasons. I mean, um, over the years, you know, re- reporting and uh, legal experts, legal advocates that have worked with prisoners on death row have shown uh, more often than not uh, convictions for uh, somebody's uh, you know a death row crime was uh, were inaccurate. They were uh, shoddy on second examination. Uh, some people that were put to death, uh, ultimately, uh, you know, some of their cases also were uh, shoddy or you know, looked bad. Uh, but executions have been botched. Executions tend to cost uh, taxpayers a lot of money, even though the argument is, well, these people are also sitting in prisons for decades as well, and that also costs taxpayers money. So, so yeah, so um, Shapiro making this you know, opening shot in this long-standing debate um, and positioning Pennsylvania, uh, I think, in the trend that that most states are. Randy Parker, uh, as Sam just touched on, this is not a new debate. It has been going on for a long, long time. And we are hearing the arguments that we've heard for years. It's the ultimate punishment. What about the victims? Uh, It's deterrent. Uh, It costs too much to incarcerate someone for years. Those are not new arguments to continue to support the death penalty, but in Pennsylvania, we basically have had a moratorium now for the last 30 years. Yeah, you and I were talking yesterday, Scott, about the last time that there was an execution in in Pennsylvania. I've been uh, a journalist here in Pennsylvania for about 37 years now, and I think that you recalled one... uh, Two, actually. Two two executions Mm -hmm. um, since, what, the 1990s? Um, And... Uh, so, yeah, there's been a de facto moratorium here, and yet we see prosecutions happening in counties all over the state where we're pursuing the uh, we're pursuing capital punishment, we're pursuing the death penalty. And so there are people who, who are um, you know, going through that process. They're being uh, held on death row, as, as it were, in Pennsylvania, but there's really no uh, realistic possibility that they're going to be put to death. Meanwhile, a lot of people don't... Um, fully recognize or appreciate that in Pennsylvania, um, life does mean life. I I hear a lot of conversations with people where they're like, well, you know, I don't want him to ever get out. Okay, a lot of states have laws that that say, you know, life life is life. There will be no chance um, of parole. 
Um, but there could be a chance that evidence could soundly overturn the case and a wrongfully convicted person could be set free um, even years later. And, you know, that's, that's a um, small comfort for the person who's been jailed for, for 20 years. Um, but we've seen plenty of examples over the years of that, too, where the, the uh, actual killer was found. Um, it wasn't a matter of a technicality. Um, you know, DNA evidence absolutely cleared somebody. That it could not. That person could not have been the killer. And uh, we've seen those cases locally as well as nationally. District Attorneys Association has come out against this, saying that they want that. They want that tool because they do think it is a deterrent. They want to think about uh, the victims and what they're going through as well. So this is not something that. Uh, I don't know whether it's actually been introduced before, probably introduced, but uh, with the governor coming out and saying it, uh, it may get more attention in the legislature, but this is not something that the Pennsylvania legislature, Sam, is going to just come back and say, you know what, let's take a look at this and uh, we'll see what happens. It won't happen quickly. Well, you know, interestingly, Scott, and this is the point that I wanted to make sure to make, um, a Senate uh, Republican Majority Leader Joe Pittman, uh, in his statement yesterday, didn't really, in, in my view, shoot down the idea of abolishing the death penalty. He said, you know, for sure... Uh, there have been problems with the way that it has been carried out in Pennsylvania and in other states. Uh, there are moral, there are ethical questions that come with uh, having a death penalty period. So to me, that signaled at least the Republican-led Senate is willing to talk about this. And yes, to answer your question, Scott, this has been proposed in the past. It hasn't gotten much traction. But um, for a high-ranking official in the Republican-led Senate to say, hey, we're open to a conversation on this at least, um, could could show some policy traction there, hmm. in my view. And, you know, Randy, this is something that uh, probably a majority of Pennsylvanians have an opinion on. I mean, this is an issue up there with gun control, abortion. Hasn't gotten the kind of attention those two issues have in recent years because so many things have happened. But, um, you know, maybe 10 years ago or so, it would be one of those uh, issues that many, many people would be talking about. And I have a sense that the governor bringing this up is going to resurrect those uh, conversations. It's the classic high school debate team it is. Uh, you know, it topic, is. and and I, I think understandably because there's there's not illogic that that's applied to the idea of it, and of course it goes deep back in, into culture, so so it's a it's a difficult conversation to have. Um, I, it would be very interesting today if it were put forth if it were put to the voters if there were in essence a campaign on the topic and and people um, actively debated it and and looked at the facts looked at the figures um, looked at the science or the social science uh, in, involved with this um, how would the state vote I I don't know and I don't know what kind of reliable public um, polling there might might be out there on See, that either the, the only reason I'm skeptical of that is because this is an emotional issue for many people and people may vote on emotion I, I I think it is an emotional issue. I think that that's what drives it, um, uh, at least in part, on both sides of, of the issue. Um, when people talk about wrongfully convicted people being put to death, that's an emotional issue. When people talk about a, a mass killer or or a horrendous, uh, you know, somebody who's who's just done something absolutely heinous, and and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we all, you know, maybe maybe the killing was in public and people saw it. There's no doubt that this is the killer. People get emotional about that too. So it is. It's it's a 
polarizing, polarized conversation, um, but there's an awful lot of data to be uh, combed through in, in the middle uh, to try to establish whether or, or not uh, in order to try to persuade people to one side or the other. I want to turn to another issue, and again, this is something that just came down yesterday, Sam. Uh, Pennsylvania's Democratic U.S. Senator, Junior Senator John Fetterman, just took office in January. Uh, he checked himself into Walter Reed Military Hospital yesterday, suffering from clinical depression. And there have been a lot of reactions to this as well. Your take on it. Uh, well, I'll certainly share some of the reactions that we've been getting from voters on this. Um, uh, you know, WITF uh, launched a, a Capital News Text Club last year to try to get uh, census from voters in our area about you know big topics like this because we you know, that that's sort of I think the perspective that we need in situations like this. And uh, largely, what they've come back and said is they're they're offering praise to Senator Fetterman for uh, checking himself in. Uh, to treat clinical depression. The honesty that comes with admitting that you're uh, going through a health struggle in public uh, has has drawn a lot of sympathy. And in fact, we, we saw that same sort of sympathy help uh, him win ultimate victory in November, um, you know, when he was open with his struggles uh, following his, his stroke. And, and he has been hospitalized for, uh, you know, for complications with that uh, during his term. So, um, they're, 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 you know, I think in situations like that, there's a question Sometimes questions can raise, well, if you're a public official and you have these uh, physical or mental uh, health struggles going on, uh, are you still fit to serve in the Senate? And the voters, I think, are the ultimate ones who can decide that, since the voters are the ones who put them there in, in, uh, you know, in November to begin with. And they all largely have said, we don't have a lot of concerns about the way that Fetterman is carrying himself as a senator. These things happen. People, these people are human beings still, and we should afford them that. Uh, but not that, all voters. You know, and, and yeah. Randy, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, too. Uh, Senator Fetterman, when he was candidate Fetterman, uh, there were people who were saying he's not being transparent about how serious his stroke was about his health. There may be voters who feel they were misled somewhat because he wasn't as forthcoming about his health. And that wasn't just... Um, you know, people fighting for the other side who were raising those questions. There were, there were journalists who were being critical, saying he wasn't um, being forthcoming or, or fully transparent enough about those health issues. And now I think that this is going to, you know, re-raise that question. Um, I think it will also drive an interesting conversation about what are voters entitled to when it comes to certain aspects of your uh, health record or your health experience, uh, particularly when it comes to mental health or behavioral health issues. All right. So as a journalist, long-time journalist, I might add, this says nothing about your age because I think I'm older. <laughs> anyway, um, do we ask that question of candidates? Uh, have you ever been treated for uh, for mental health? It, it's a it's an interesting um, dilemma. As an employer, you're limited on the types of questions that you can ask someone. As as a as a journalist, you're not limited in what you can ask, and so then it comes down to you know what's what's the proper thing to ask. Um, journalists are going to seek transparency and 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 as much information as possible. We only have about thirty seconds. I, I will say uh, some are saying you know because Fetterman is being open about these things, he's setting an example for public officials, for employers to have more conversations about what that sort of thing looks like. And we will be following this uh, much more. And by the way, Sam, you did a story about this week shortage of emergency personnel. On Tuesday, the Spark, we're going to be focusing on that issue. Sam Dunklaw, WITF's Capital Bureau Chief, Randy Parker, WITF's News Director, thank you both for being with us today. Thanks. You're listening to The Spark on WITF, your home for NPR and discovering all things local. I'm Scott Lamar.